Skull Massacres are nothing new. They do get a lot of play in the modern press. There is a phrase that modern journalists use known as, if it bleeds, it leads. We are truly inundated with the worst of society whenever we watch our 6 and 11 o'clock news daily. But in truth, as most of our listeners know, the good old days weren't so good. This is the story of the Bath School Massacre. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. Hey, it's Old Timey Crimey, episode 50! Whoa, really? (laughs) Fitty! I'm going to double check my files because I have everything there. But yes, this is episode 50, so it was very appropriate. Cheers! Cheers! 50. That's almost a year. That is. Yes, um, which will reach our year anniversary of the recordings before we reach our year anniversary of the actual release because we released like three in one day. Right. The day that I was like hallucinating as I was trying to upload them because it was my birthday and I was sick and I'll never get over it. I'm still salty. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. That's why they call her the human pretzel. It isn't contortion or anything. It's just very salty. It's definitely not contortion. I am the least flexible person on the planet. I can barely bend my elbow. So. <laughs> I'm just walking around straight-armed all the time. Straight-armed. She has that weird disease where our connective tissue turns to bone. <laughs> or stone. Ooh. So what's new with everybody? Uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I know. My my uh, my lady friend Ariana came in from the Bahamas, Yay. and it was an absolutely glorious time. Amber got to meet her. I did. She was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was that was really nice. And we're planning a September September visit now. So yeah, it's very happy. I'm walking around all giddy and stupid and smiley, <laughs> and I don't like being happy. <laughs> it's adorable on you. <laughs> But I'm so glad you got to meet her, because anytime time like, well, you know, my lady friend lives in the Bahamas, that's a really loser thing to say. Yeah. It's like it's like the imaginary Canadian girlfriend. Yeah. 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 The, well, the kids actually watch a movie with a fake Canadian boyfriend. Uh-huh. Like, I've never, I don't know this guy. Who's this guy? I'm her boyfriend. I live in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, like, that's the thing. But she's real. She's a real human being. And that, and that was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was very cool. Excellent. So how was your week? Um, it's just, it's been ups and downs, but nothing, you know, like nothing really earth shattering one way or the other. I started a new cross stitch. So now I have three projects going because this is my life now. This is who I am. I'm that, that person who cross stitches with a cat in my lap. So, uh, yeah. Sounds like a folk song. Super premature aging. fallen. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) I still party. (laughs) All right. I still party. You know, just after I party, I come home and I cross stitch with a cat in my lap. No, I've, no, I've learned not to cross stitch after partying because you, got, you have to undo all that shit the next day. <laughs> Do you hear yourself? I learned not to cross stitch after a party because you have to undo all that shit the next day. Yeah, I hear myself. Okay, just checking. She's just, okay with it. She's just, okay with it. I'm fine with it. Just wanted to make I'm, sure. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a complicated and, and really diverse individual. You, Sometimes I've tried to drunkenly cross-stitch, okay? Do you, do you see her hair turning blue, like that, that old lady <laughs> blue? I'm, I'm here. I'm seeing that. It's fun, and I cross-stitch things with the word fuck in them. So <laughs> I am not... So she's still hip. She's with it. I'm hip and with it. I know what the youth are doing. 
<laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> My entire class burst out in shocked laughter when I referenced a Karen <laughs> one point last week. I was like, oh, they don't think I know anything. That's why. Okay. You need to throw the word like, yeet in there. Yes, I'm gonna. I'm definitely going to throw the word yeet okay. in there. Like, so oh, like, I just yeeted that marker when my, my like, I, tremors make me throw a marker across the room. Oh, is that what that means? Okay. Well, you throw something out, you know. It's I, not necessarily I, just Honestly, throwing. I don't know. It's like whenever you pick up a baby and you go, oh, this is a cute baby. It could be a model. And they go, oh, thank you. And you go, model airplane. Yeet. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we got this game, and it's called New Phone Who Dis? Uh-huh. And um, we realized very quickly that we are too old for new games. So uh, we had to ask my, my oldest, who is going to be 17 next month, what half of the cards meant. Well, we had to do the same thing when we were doing, I mean, we actually, we had to ask the internet when we were doing the, the catchphrase, like uncensored or whatever. Yeah. Unfiltered, because it was, half of it was current pop culture references, which none of us know who it is or no. what it is, or if it's a person. <laughs> that reminds me, I saw on Thingiverse, which is a, for those that don't know, it's a 3D printing uh, website where you can download files. Uh, I got to remember to do this. They have an accessory kit that you can print out for th for Secret Hitler. Oh, <laughs> man. That would be that would be fun, yeah. I don't ask what I was doing, like, searching for Hitler 3D prints. That's none of your goddamn business. <laughs> My birthday's not till August. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so I can't think of really any good transitions this week. I think I peaked a couple weeks ago, and I've just been on the decline ever since with my with my my segues. So it's been that long since you peaked. <laughs> I peaked since I peaked in the podcast room. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable yet curious. <laughs> Scott, you're not allowed to talk about porn every week and then be uncomfortable with vague references. To I don't things. know. I don't know those porn stars personally. <laughs> Maybe three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So definitely no good segue here. Uh, this is uh, this week we're doing the Bath School Massacre. I, I do have one point of contention. The Wikipedia article calls it the Bath School Disaster, and I think it was called that in a couple other places. I don't like it. No disasters are shit that happen. On accident, this was or this like was a natural disasters, right, weather, right. you know, tornado, earthquake, fire. This was somebody purposely killing right. children. So that disaster terminology really does not fly with me. I, I was just every time I saw it, I was just like, ah, no. I but wonder, you, know, you know what? Though back then they tried to make things nicer a little bit. Well, there was there was also there. It wasn't it wasn't so much a nicer thing. If anything, we do that nowadays. They would try to make things nice with politi like political correctness, but there were just certain words that meant different things than they do now. For example, we we know for a fact from the Bell Witch episodes that we did, the word witch does not mean to them what it does to us. Yeah. Witch was a term for ghost. Any ghostly phenomenon, it was a witch. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, maybe disaster back in those days, it was just... It was an all-encompassing term, but today, yeah, it, yeah, I, th it's I think I think today massacre. we should just go ahead and call it what it is. Yeah, massacre so, or killings. So I have I have some words for the uh, the Wikipedia editors. So this was 1927 in this tiny town of Bath, Michigan. Now it was only 11 miles from the state capital, Lansing, but it was really just it was just 300 people lived there, and then of course there's people scattered around the surrounding areas. This is pretty rural country that we're talking about. Today, there's only 2,083. 
people living in Bath. So it hasn't, you know, experienced any sort of boom. It's not, it's not the new Denver or anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and originally, as, like, need arose, they would build one-room schoolhouses here and there, you know, like, oh, well, we've got, like, five kids in this area all of a sudden, let's build a one-room schoolhouse. And it got to the point where they started to, you know, the expense of having that many teachers and everything started to become an issue. It just wasn't practical. So they built in 1922 the Bath Consolidated School. It was an elementary and a high school. Uh, It had 327 students. Now, I know I said the population was 300, but you have to imagine this is not people just from the little town, the little village of Bath. This is, again, people like they bust kids in and everything. It was three stories. That's impressive for a little town. That's, Not bad. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a pretty big building. It cost forty three thousand dollars to build. That's six hundred and sixty one thousand dollars in modern day money. Pretty reasonable, I think, for a school. Absolutely. For a building of that size um, and and with that many rooms, but taxes did go up to pay for it. And you know, like you, you see that would we, when we moved in here, they, they just built the new school just down the road. And so, you know, the taxes were a little higher than what they had been previously. But, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. You've got you to pay for education. And, honestly, any objections to this, which we'll get to, um, I, don't, I don't agree with. Because you, you're, it's so much more efficient than, you know, paying 20 teachers in 20 different schools to teach five students each or 10 students each. Mm-hmm. When you can just pay 10 teachers, you know, you'll save that money in the long run. It's, you know, it's like a salesman. It pays for itself. You know, so um, we have, then we have, who comes along, but former electrical engineer slash electrician, Andrew Kehoe. He is 55 at the time. He's living there on a farm. It's either 185 acres or 85 acres. Only a difference of 100. You know, what's that matter? (laughs) Depends on the crops that you have. Yeah, really. He didn't have any, so it didn't. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that is true. It bugs me. His birthday is my birthday, February 1st. That bugs me. But then, you know, I also have Rick James. That bugs me, too. His birthday (laughs) is my birthday. Rick James, bitch. God damn it. My my second wife's uh, father, well, her, her stepfather was Rick James' cousin. Huh. Yeah. You could see it. I had uh, I was taught fifth or sixth grade science by uh, Chuck Norris's cousin, right. and you could also see it. He lived up the street from us and drove a giant Harley. But yeah, so I basically had basically had Chuck Norris. Are you shitting me? Yeah, his last name's even Norris. He has the red hair and everything. He he's uh, he's practically uh, yeah we got practically a, a doppelganger. Trip. Yeah, yeah, this is it. We're done. I even know where he lives, or at least where he lived. <laughs> yeah, we got a road. It's the giant house shaped like a fist. He had a signed <laughs> he had a signed picture on the on the windowsill from his cousin Chuck Norris. You know, to my cousin. Yeah. Last name. If he wasn't, if he wasn't his cousin, it was the weirdest freaking coincidence. Maybe <laughs> it was actually Chuck Norris. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I learned. Walker, Texas Ranger shit up in Pennsylvania. Chuck Norris does reproduce by budding. It's. <laughs> he also was kind of a. He called me. Um, damn it. He called me machine gun because of my laugh. It's not nice to do to a kid. It's not very nice. Single them out for a, an, a, an attribute they really can't change. <laughs> I can't do anything about my stupid <laughs> laugh. Sorry, so many people just like <laughs> quit the podcast. I know, they just laugh. They're like, no, I'm not dealing with your issues. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so he is, uh, Andrew Kehoe is the, he lives with his wife Nellie uh, on this farm. He is the Bath School Board treasurer, um, or at least for the next couple of months. 
um, supposedly, and he was born in 1872, one of the younger children, we don't really know the number, but one of the younger children of 13. That's a buttload of kids. It's a vagina, not a clown car. Yeah. Well, that's a vagina load of kids. Yeah, this <laughs> it's is, not this a buttload. Is back before TV, I mean, there there wasn't a lot to do. There was condoms, though. There was books. <laughs> yeah, stuff a book in the vagina. Use it as a <laughs> use it as a diaphragm. Trust me, after thirteen kids, you're going to be able to fit a book up there. So he studied electrical engineering in college. He actually met his wife there, but didn't marry her for many years later, which I found kind of like odd but okay sometimes you don't maybe realize they're the one for you or settle one of the two until much later it could be either way it could be the romantic way or the cynical way <laughs> now i i do find this interesting in 1911 he suffers from something that a ton of serial killers mm -hmm. suffer from he uh, develops a head injury well develops he, he goddamn gets a head it injury. It was very, very yeah. slow. It was like a slow motion brick coming down. Just yeah. slow, almost there. Thong. Just a second. You know you could really move any second, dude, and this wouldn't mm -hmm. hit you. No, you're just going to stand there? All right, all right. It was kind of like that scene in Austin Powers where the, the steamroller was going forward. <laughs> That's yeah. how slow this. Yeah. The brick had a the brick had a little helium balloon tied to it. <laughs> but he was in a coma for two weeks. Yeah. And then after that, he actually moved back in with his father. So keep in mind, 1872. He's in his 30s now. Um, but he probably that does, you know, head injuries, concussions, comas, stuff like that. It does change you. Um, even if it's sometimes it's temporary and sometimes it's long term, you know, traumatic brain injuries and stuff like that. It can change you intellectually, emotionally, psycholo psychologically, psychologically. <laughs> <laughs> I know words. Um, so, yeah, it's really something that, you know, he, he probably moved back in with him because he was having trouble taking care of himself or fending for himself out in the world or even just dealing with the, the, the day to day stuff like, you know, paying bills and washing the dishes. But this didn't work out too well. His mother had died a while back, and his father remarried a woman named Frances Wilder. And one day she's lighting the stove, which of course was oil. Well, here's the thing, because I saw this flipped around multiple times. The okay. head injury was... Yeah, there's a couple of different dates. It really The is head injury was definitely confusing. 1911, but there's not a whole lot on the head injury. But I kept getting the date over and over again of Kia was only 14 when the incident happened with his stepmother. Okay. I saw that in like one or two places and it's really, it's, it can, it, honestly, I think it can go either way. Yeah. So like there's, there's a lot of different mishmash on how old was he? Was it before the head injury or after the head injury? Mm -hmm. Did this incident happen? And I'll let you continue. I apologize. No, 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 no. Always, always like it, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's one of the it's one of the joys and frustrations of research in historical true crime, really any history, yeah. <laughs> any subset of history, is that you're going to find it's so long ago, and we see 85 acres versus 185 acres. Yes. 100 acres. There's a big difference between those two. And yeah, it's just one of those cases. And there's a big difference if, if he did whatever he may or may not have done before or after the head injury. So no, that's yes. very important to bring. Always bring those up. And it always gives me the chance to say, sources very wildly. She was so close. She was so Almost. close. She kind of whispered it. You may hear it if you have headphones on and they're good ones. I'm so happy. Don't push it. I will sing less. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I hate it when Amber sings. 
<laughs> there we go. Reverse psychology. Not gonna work. <laughs> so, um, Francis, poor Francis Wilder, she was lighting the stove when it ex- exploded, basically. Uh, Kehoe was nearby. He doused her with water, but this is an oil fire. And the Which thing. Which he knew damn well. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Whether he was 14 or 33, I'm pretty sure he knew. Um, and the thing about this is. And this is what I got from Allstate. <laughs> this is where that weird Allstate thing came in. I was like, why is it bad to have water in an oil fire? Like, I don't know. I never really knew the, the, the scientific reason, so I looked it up. Um, Ooh, can I take a guess? Sure. Because I do have the background in chemistry. Okay. So I would say water on an oil fire, whenever the water actually goes down, it's going to to increase the surface area of the oil because it's going to, to push everything away because oil and water don't mix. Yep, so, so it'll cause going... the fire to spread. Exactly. It's increasing the surface area of the fire. Okay, well, it, there's that. There's a couple other, like, factors here. Um, water molecules are polar. Oil molecules are nonpolar. So this is like opposite ends of okay. magnets. They're still clear of each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's also a density difference between them that makes them not mix with the water. Is yeah, and and it, it, basically what you want to do if you have an oil fire, generally, hopefully, it'll be contained on your stove. If it's bigger, call or the, on your stepmom if that's what you're or, going for. On your stepmom, um, but if it's on your stove, just put a lid on it, let it cool off for a long time. Otherwise, when you take the lid off, it could relight, and you know, just that's all, really all you just need to do is just starve it of oxygen. So that's that's your salt sure. will also work. Flour, I've heard yeah. flour. That's your old-timey, crimey safety tip of the probably, like, I'm going to say quarter. We don't do those very often. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to tell people how to be safe for another four months, three months. Yeah, Matt. Just, Just order out, for the love of God. <laughs> yeah, stop trying to cook. Um, You'll fuck it up. So the interesting thing about the stepmother, she had actually gone to the market for the day. So she was gone the entire day to go to the store and then come back. It's during this time that Andrew was home and he could have tampered with the stove. Mm. Um, so, th- this is only one source that I got this on, but it's very descriptive and um, a little nerve-wracking because it says that Andrew, uh, after the stove exploded and set her on fire, he watched her burn for several minutes yeah. before he attempted to put her out with water, which he was a smart kid. He knew that water was not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people... Sp- speculated that he had something to do with it. And that's all it is, is speculation, but at the same time, later events definitely put a dark light on things in the past sometimes. You know, like, sometimes those things may not necessarily be dark, or they may, like, speculation may not necessarily be believed by everybody. You hear it and you think, nah, he didn't do that. And then something horrible happens later and it's confirmed that it was him, and you're like, oh, he did that. Mm. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense, because he always hated his stepmom, and then she suddenly died. Yeah. You remember him sitting in the bar going, like, I'm gonna fucking tamper with the stove and then watch my stepmother burn whenever I try to make it look like I put her out, but I'm just gonna fucking killer oh we all thought he was joking <laughs> nobody thought to ask why a 14 year old was in the bar and i don't know why i just got southern it was 19 <laughs> it was 1911 yeah but like well I, either 1911 or uh like 1850 something maybe no sorry uh, 80 90 i can't do math i can't do math we're here in olden days <laughs> so, so he was, i need an abacus if, if he was 14 and born in what 89 72 72 yeah 72 mm-hmm. then if all right so 86 mm-hmm. 
86. And you, did you say that was when you read Head Injury or no, Stepmother? The Stepmother when he was okay, 14. Okay, okay. I couldn't so. remember which one. <laughs> All right. So in 1912, now if it's, it's interesting to think that if the... The stepmother thing, if it did happen in 1911 versus 1886, it's interesting that he married Nellie Price the year after. It's just, let's, they let, might, might not be connected, but yeah. we'll... Let's take a little bit of a break. Let's see if we can look up Frances Wilder on genealogy.com and see when her death date is. Okay. Here we go. 1911. You found one? Yeah. Frances Murphy Wilder Kehoe. Oh, damn. Death, uh... 18th of September, 1911, age 52, in Tecumseh, Lanawee County, Michigan, United States of America. So, yeah, she was born August 27th, 1859, died September 18th, 1911. I have a picture of her tombstone right here. Good find. Birthplace was Ireland. Um, yeah, she wasn't a natural American citizen. She was Irish. Um, father's name was Patrick Kehoe. Um, mother's name was Ann Marks, and it says here, September 17th, 1911, Francis was severely burned when the family stove exploded and she was attempting to light it. The fuel soaked her, body catching fire. Um, and there is even a death certificate. So wow. we have, we have found it. So we're going to add, find a grave to our sources. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was 19, 1911. Okay, so it was the same year that he that he hit his head, if that is correct in the in the in the right. research. Which the, the, one of the reasons those dates could be conflated is he very well could have hit his head in 1886. Yeah, and I mean I see 1911 for a lot of things, but that doesn't. No, he moved out west for a few years after college. So he had already met his wife, but then he moved out west, spent some time in St. Louis. In St. Louis, he suffered a severe head injury as a result of a fall in 1911. Yeah, I had 1911, too, as the only date for that happening, but he I'm just saying, He was attending like, electrical school at the time of the incident. I did also see one source that said he had suffered two head injuries. Oh. But they didn't work. It wasn't very specific as to any of that, so... Because this even says whether this injury contributed to his madness, it will never be known. No, it but did. It's certainly possible. <laughs> yeah, because he could have had those thoughts and done what the rest of us do and like tamp it down. And then after the head injury, he's like, "Fuck it, let's kill people." <laughs> I never liked this bitch. <laughs> I would be so good, horrible with a head injury. So, did you hear what she said? I heard a lot of that, yes. <laughs> I heard a lot. I feel like this podcast is going to end up incriminating me later. Yeah, this is definitely going to be played in court for a jury. I'm sure of it. Yeah, extra. No, that's, that's going to increase our audience, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. Plus, you know, once she's arrested, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really up the ratings. It's going to get a lot of free press. <laughs> <laughs> no press is bad press, including arrested press. Hmm. So in 1912, okay, so we have, we should try and make that clear. We verified it was 1911 when Francis Wilder died. Oops. Thanks to find a grave. <laughs> and, and it was due to the faulty, quote unquote, faulty, faulty. stove. Tee hee. So Andrew married Nellie Price in 1912. He was 40. She was 37. They bought their farm from her family members. It had been her uncle's. Her uncle died, and so it was through the estate. They paid, uh, in 1919, so not for another seven years after they married, they paid 6000 down, 
and got a $6,000 mortgage. So $12,000 altogether, which is about $178,000 today. And this was not some ramshackle house on rocky soil. This was known to be one of the nicest houses in the region. It was like sort of a prize of the area with great soil, like wonderful soil for cooking, for cooking, Jesus Christ. For cooking stepmoms. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wonderful soil for growing all kinds of, of foods. You know, it was very versatile. And Kehoe, he became known about town. Uh, he was known to be very smart. He was an intelligent dude. He was thrifty as hell. This guy was very precise when it came to accounting and pinched the pennies. He was very fastidious. I wonder if there's, you know, I don't want to diagnose somebody a hundred or some, you know, years later, but I just wonder if there's maybe just a touch of OCD or germophobia because in one account it said that even if his shirt got a little dirty, who would go home and change it? He would one. go home and yeah. change it. Yeah, he wouldn't even wear a shirt until like lunchtime. You know, and I just wonder if there's just a little something. Or hey, I'm while I'm diagnosing people, he could have hyperhidrosis like I do and just sweat excessively, and he was uncomfortable with it, so he'd go home and change. I would change my shirt twice a day if I could. <laughs> you know, if I would do that much laundry, which I won't. Uh, I've I'm already like fucking diagnosing. Um, because obviously, if he did do what he did. To his uh, to his stepmother Francis, if mm -hmm. he actually did set her on fire, so I'm calling that fascination with fire. Uh, he beat a horse to death once. Yes. Mm -hmm. So cruel to animals. Killed there's, the neighbor's dog also. Right. So there's there's cruelty to animals. There's two out of the three points of the McDonald McDonald triad. McDonald, that's what it is. I was talking yeah. with my physical therapist this week, and she was talking about like a. I don't know. One of the shows that she she, she watches. One of the. I was gonna go with French fries. No, no, no. no. She's talking about French fries. French fries, hamburger, drinks. She was talking about a, a, a show that she watches, and then a, a kid ended up being the murderer. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and he, and he wet the bed, and I was like, triad, something. Yeah, McDonald triad. <laughs> I couldn't remember what it was. So we don't know if he wet the bed. Certainly not. But yeah. He probably did. You know, it's, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, I'm going with you, Dad. He, he's going. Yeah, that's why he changes his clothes all the time. He's constantly falling asleep and pissing himself. It's so, not at all. Narcolepsy. Yeah. Yeah. Add it to the list. Narcolepsy. Yes. yes. So he also didn't really seem to be up for farming, which is a problem when you have a farm and it's supposed to be your source of livelihood. All he wanted to do was tinker around with shit. He wanted to play with the tractor and optimize it and make it as, as, as great as it could be. And by the time he was finished with that, it was dark out and nothing had been planted or sown or plowed or anything and so really he didn't do so great with the actual farming because he didn't do, do many farming i mean he did some but he wasn't he wasn't really into it he didn't really want to be a farmer um, should have grown pot yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably would have been happier too yeah, yeah yeah for sure uh he definitely would have been more chill um he so He's like this guy that people do respect him in the community, but he also could be like that neighbor. Like that neighbor that you don't want that's kind of psycho, but also is kind of like just normal Joe and you're not really sure which side you're going to get today. Okay, is it going to be the side that just wants me to come over and help him play with the tractor and then look at all the insides of it? Or is it the kind that is going to kill my dog and look at all the insides of it? Like which side of Andrew Kehoe am I going to get today? <laughs> this is why I don't talk to my neighbors. Fuck them. Same. <laughs> well, and, and okay, so so the dog that we've mentioned twice now was neighbor across the street, 
nice lady that was her her very loved dog. She would actually give Kehoe's wife rides to Lansing every week to go shopping. They were friends. They hung out. Her husband hung hung out with Andrew. She took the wife up to, to, to go shopping. And um, he shot the dog for being in her yard. Not his. Her yard. But he got mad because it barked. <laughs> this is sounding very, very, very brain injury. I don't want to go too much into my personal life, but I had seen not that cruelty to animals, but I had seen that whole thing uh, with... At least this person in my life who did have the brain injury, it was uh, it it was almost like there was no gate that she could ignore stuff. It was like if a dog was barking, it was it was horrible. It was the it was the end of the world. Mm. There was no there was they no would filter. Not want to live gate. in my house. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. not my dogs. Neighbors' dogs. The one little yippy one every single night, and it's out there for hours, and I'm just like. <gasps> It's cold out. I feel really bad, but also I'm annoyed. <laughs> See, yeah, that's that definitely is that's messed up. That's super messed up. Um, and yet he was sort of a respected dude in the in 1924. He got on uh, the Bath Consolidated School Board as a treasurer. Even after what happened happened, people said one one of his neighbors, definitely not the lady with the dog. Uh, there couldn't be a better neighbor than him. Another one said... He said a gunpoint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, he's a fucking great neighbor. He was, he was allergic to dogs. Uh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh, another one said, I never saw a saner man. Obviously, again, hadn't heard about the dog thing. Mm-hmm. Well, there was more than just the dog thing. Yeah, there were horses and Well, no, aside arguments. from that, there was, yeah, there was arguments about steers. He bought steers from a man. He accidentally killed half of them and then tried to get his money back the next day. Accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> or just because he was too busy playing with the tractor. Yeah. That's not a euphemism. Yeah. Um, Scott wants it to be. <laughs> I, of course I do. At one point he was moving and he went to his neighbor's house and demanded that he buy the cords of wood because he wasn't going to leave them there for the next guy and he'd sell them for half price. Like he was real crazy and focused on money. Yes. Oh, he was so focused on money. He was definitely, he was that guy in that way as well. You know, that, that, that person who focuses on money to the extent that other things that should be valuable to us as human beings become less important and we're gonna get there way <laughs> too soon um so yeah he was the treasurer good thing for him to be um but uh in june 1926 he actually got a notice of foreclosure on his farm and keep in mind that the the deed for the farm is held by nelly's family um and Basically, one account that I read said that the family had actually started... They sent him the foreclosure notice, but Nellie was quite sick. She had what was suspected to be tuberculosis. So they basically, like, let up on the, the demands for payment. So I think that the, the possibility of foreclosure still hung over, you know, their heads. But they were like, you know, you guys just take it easy and just take care of her and everything. And uh, but I bet holidays weren't super fun that year. Uh, <laughs> that was probably an awkward Christmas. A couple of the neighbors, just from the, his actions, thought he was planning suicide. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it yeah. was, you know, they were they were seeing him act very, very oddly. And they went, this guy's going to take himself out. Yeah, he, he tried to give his neighbor his best horse. Yeah. 
And then the neighbor had it for a few days and gave it back. It was like, no, buddy, we love you. You keep this horse. Keep on going, man. Could you not shoot my dog again? <laughs> he lost an election for township clerk in April 1926 as well. Was that 1926, or did I mistype that, and it was 1927? What do you guys think? 1926 defeated in the election, and he was extremely angry at his public defeat. He was very mad. They heard about all the problems he was giving at the school board meetings, and they were like, no. Yeah. Yeah. He He would throw fits and argue like crazy. He did not get along with the superintendent. I don't know how to say this guy's name, but I'm just going to say the superintendent, it was Emery... H-U-Y-C-K, which I hear, yuck! I was going to say, say it like you're about to cough up a loogie. Exactly. So, I, <laughs> I think it's just like, whenever you have I think have it's a, like hoik or something like that. Exactly. Whenever whenever you're just a little dense and you giggle, <laughs> that's how I... That's I'm going to say hoik. But yeah, he did not get along with that guy. He even fought about giving hoik a vacation. <laughs> he was like, no, denied. He doesn't get a vacation. Everybody else is like, no, yeah, he totally does. He can have his fucking vacation, man. Like, what is yeah. your problem? And there are lots Bring of... your dog over here. <laughs> <laughs> there is lots of discussion, um, especially in, in later years, uh, that he was very upset about his taxes going up. He had opposed the, the building of the school to begin with. It happened before his tenure, if I'm remembering my dates right, 1922. Yes, that's actually when he started why he ran, to argue to get his that taxes makes... lower. <laughs> sense that makes total sense i can see that being his motivation okay so in in 1922 before the school was built taxes were twelve dollars and 26 cents on a thousand dollar valuation okay these are all based off of a thousand dollar valuation in 1923 they went from twelve dollars to eighteen dollars and eighty cents and then they kind of kept going up. So we have $18.80 in 1924, $18.50 in 1925, $19.20. And then the year 26, 1926, $19.80. Sounds I mean, like living in Johnstown. Sounds like inflation, you know? But he, the entire time, was fighting to get these lowered because this is bullshit. Because there's only two things in life that are, are true and... Death and taxes, right? So um, taxes were going up, so he chose the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, he did. Um, he uh, he'd actually another. You, you pointed to the the neighbors who thought that he was maybe going to commit suicide. He didn't even harvest his his fall crops in 1926, which there probably was like three ears of corn, <laughs> judging by how much he did, and like one very sad tomato plant. <laughs> but he didn't he didn't even harvest, so that's kind of, that's a, definitely like a sign of hopelessness. And at this point his school board term was set to expire in July, and with not getting that township clerk job, he probably didn't have much hope of getting reelected. and it seemed like this had become like his obsession. What should have really been his obsession was his wife, who had tuberculosis and was in and out of the hospital. On May 16, 1927, she had just returned from a stay at the hospital. This was interesting. Do you have something? I do. On I that, know that look. On that same day, um, Andrew had the teacher move up a picnic for their class in his property because he said it was going to rain on that Thursday. Yeah, the picnic was supposed to be Thursday, and then he said, no, 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 let's do it on Tuesday. Which was the 16th, the same day his wife came home. He had them move the picnic up. Because, I mean, they should have fun, right? 
kids should have fun. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, one thing I read is that may or may not have happened. Like, yeah, there's, there, there's, there's definitely, he definitely, like, said, like, hey, let's move the picnic, but whether or not the, the teacher actually... Did move the picnic. ...is, is up in the air. But yes. it, him just doing that is enough. It doesn't matter. In a way, it does matter whether or not they... Um, they had the picnic because it's very much like, holy shit, if they did have the picnic literally yeah. the day before all this happened. Because it would have been May 16th that he would have asked her to move it, May 17th if she did move it, and then we get to May well, 18th. He had, he had been planning this oh, though, for a long time. long time. In, in November of uh, 1926, almost half a year beforehand, he goes and buys two boxes of dynamite at Lansing Sporting Goods. Uh, the Michigan State Police suspected uh, him of stealing dynamite from a bridge construction site. He starts stockpiling, gets to the amazing amount of one ton of pyrotol, which is an explosive used by farmers for clearing debris. And he's just like getting scrap metal from everywhere to load up his truck. Yeah, he would. A lot of these explosives that he bought were uh, leftovers from World War One like surplus, and farmers would generally use these. This is why nobody was really suspicious. Farmers would use these to remove tree stumps, tree stumps around their property. No big deal, kind of seems a little excessive, but okay. Fuck I mean, the trees. <laughs> fuck the tree stumps. I'm going to blow this I mean, shit like, up. I really kind of wish we could just go to the store and buy dynamite now. But that's <laughs> well, people no, you, like this ruined it, so. You have to be clever and make it yourself at home. <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, he would buy this, and other people would have him remove their tree stumps. One local called him the dynamite farmer, which he was definitely not a dynamite farmer, so... <laughs> that would have been a cool nickname, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Time to go plant the crops. <laughs> <laughs> so he had access to the school. He did electrical work there, and people would also just have him do random handyman stuff. Actually, on the morning of May 18th, a school trustee sees him and grabs him and says, hey, the water pump at the school's not working. Can you come help out? It's around 7.25 a.m. They go in. They check it out for a bit. And then all of a sudden, he rushes off and says, hey, I'm in a hurry. I got to go. And he bolts. Um, this is May 18th. It's also the day before commencement. Fifteen seniors are set to graduate the very next day. At 8.45 a.m. on May 18th, 1927, a huge explosion rocks the north wing of this school. It was heard from miles away, and at the same time, a huge explosion, several actually, rock his home and outbuildings. Uh, this was pretty horrifying, the aftermath. Um, what he had done is, is he had rigged all these dynamite uh, up and the shrapnel along with alarm clocks, using them as timers. Uh, he actually practiced that on New Year's Eve. Why am I not surprised? So at midnight exactly, dynamite went off at his house. The cops came out to check it out, and he goes, oh, oh, I was I was just testing something out. It's fine. Nobody's hurt, because they just heard a big boom. Yeah. But at the stroke of midnight, he had it set to go off on New Year's Eve, because he thought nobody would care. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everybody's shooting guns up in the air. Everybody's just going to think, think it's a gun. And I think that's what he thought. They would think it was a gun so he could get away with it, but they still came out to question it. He's like, oh, I'm sorry about that. I was just excited. <laughs> Yay. Happy, happy 1927, everybody. Boom. <laughs> and numbers do vary a lot here when we get to talking about the, the pyrotol, especially the, the beyond what I'm about to talk about, but the 200 pounds of dynamite and incendiary pyrotol plus the time detonator 
um, was at the school and then an unknown bunch at his farm because there was just there was just so much and like there that was several smaller explosions so I don't think they were really like let's count you know because what was happening was a little bit more important a quote from local author Monty J. Ellsworth, who wrote the 1927 Bath School disaster. Monty J. Ellsworth. Monty yes, J. Ellsworth. I Ellsworth. Him too. Ellsworth. I, re- I realize that this is probably a guy who's wearing like a red plaid shirt and overalls with a with a little stalker of wheat sticking out of his mouth. But I'm sorry, Monty J. Ellsworth, if your name is that, Montana J. Ellsworth, you need to be making money. Well, Monty was actually a neighbor. And he knew him personally. Oh, yeah. And decided to write a book about all the events of somebody that was there firsthand. Oh, yeah, Monty. Monty actually saw him driving away from some of them saying this guy after the explosions was the happiest he'd seen him in years he was grinning with both both sets sets of teeth teeth. when he drove away from the fire at his house when good samaritans came to try and put that out and deal with that shit he on his way out he was in his truck and he said boys you're my friends you better get out of here you better head down to the school yeah this was a messed uh, this was fireman i I didn't get to my monty ellsworth oh i'm sorry go ahead monty monty ellsworth uh, he had this quote, uh, quote, there was a pile of children about five or six under the roof, and some of them had, and I think that's five or six years old. Mm-hmm. Some of them had arms sticking out, some had legs, and some just had their heads sticking out. They were unrecognizable because they were covered with dust, plaster, and blood. It's not pretty at all. So go ahead with what you were going to go So it, it has been determined that the, his first victim in this whole massacre was his wife. Mm-hmm. He had murdered his wife. They don't even think it was on the day of the bombing. They think it was might might have been two days beforehand. It could have been anywhere between the 16th and the 18th. They right. know he brought her home on the 16th. The bombing happened on the 18th. We don't know whether the children were there for a picnic, and even if so, she could have been dead in the house, and they would right. never know, you yeah. know, unless little Susie needs to go into pee, and then it's like, no, go in the bushes! No, no. He had moved. He had moved her body into the uh, into one of the old farmhouses. The explosions rock, and then Fireman O. H. Bush and others enter the bombed out home to search for survivors. And, and honestly, they start carrying furniture out. This is this is a person they're considering a friend, and they're trying to save as much of his furniture as oh, possible. Yeah. And Bush is in the house, and he looks over, and there's a fucking. Pounds and pounds of dynamite sitting in the corner of the house, unexploded. Yeah, and it's just like he starts to freak out as one would. As one would starts like handing it to the other guys, like, "Hey, let's get this out of the house because the house is on fire. Right, an explosion has happened. Let's not have more, please." Right, right. (laughs) Just my God, like the stones of this man carrying dynamite through a burning building. Oh my God, that's yeah, that is some serious stones. I just picture him going. Like blowing on the fuses <laughs> prematurely. Just, I get back. Well, I, I better piss on this to make sure it's wet because I have to go. And then, meanwhile, back at the school, because all these firefighters, you know, firefighters are just random. You know, also good Samaritans. They're they they take heed of his words. They're like, okay, he just said that, and he kind of had he looked a little manic. So maybe yeah, we should go to the school. And also, there's lots of dynamite here and a fire. I don't want to. I don't want to see what happens next. So, so they go to the school. And the scene there, there's a teacher who said that it was like an earthquake in the classroom when it happened. There were kids flying around, desks flying around. Some children were thrown right out of the 
building. Yeah. First grade teacher Bernice Sterling was quoted as saying, the air seemed to be filled with children and desks. Yeah, that's horrifying. Yeah. That is, and then even more horrifying, mothers, you know, they hear the explosion. They, they A lot of them live nearby. They rush to the school for their children. There's more than 100 men who are in the thick of it trying to get all the rubble and debris out of the way. And every time they move something, the mothers rush in and they try to scrape through the rubble looking for the kids. And some of them were described as lifting up debris and rubble, like big pieces of like mortar and brick in superhuman fashion. Like that whole idea of the mother lifting the car off of her baby. It was, it was absolutely intense. People were rushing up. They had a rope that they were going to try to pull the roof off of the school because it had collapsed on top of a lot of these children. Well, and actually the guy with the rope was another neighbor. Um, and his house was about to catch on fire due to Andrew's house being on fire and the wind blowing towards it. And he didn't care because his grandson was at the school. Oh, no. This was That neighbor? Mm-hmm. Monty Ellsworth. He's the one with the rope. Yeah, he is the one with the rope. And, yeah, it's... Fuck, I can't even imagine. I cannot even imagine what that was like. And what the actual scene was... There's some of this that's about to come that I should tell you guys. I was I was doing good, and I had done a, a, a lot of my research, probably 75% of it, and I was like... I haven't seen anything real super gory. I can probably go ahead and research this while I eat. And then about one third of the way through my salad, I was like, wow, I have made a huge mistake. Whenever salad is ruined for you. I know, like, right? I can see like like any sort of meat dish being mm. ruined, but salad gets ruined. Dude, salad can be ruined for me by the word salad. <laughs> this is true. So a deputy... That's what my food eats. Sheriff, he runs up to the rubble and there's a girl's legs sticking out. He tugs on the foot and it snapped off. That is horrifying. So I should not show you the twenty pages of detailed injury lists. From I mean, the I've, dead. I've got a couple, but I don't. I don't want them. No, I don't want those. No, I don't want those. I read them all. Why? E- email those to me later. I'll just give them to you. I printed them out. Okay, thank you. You guys are yeah. sick. Um, so about twenty to thirty minutes after the explosion, Andrew Kehoe drives up in his Ford truck. It is loaded with dynamite and all kinds of his fun homemade shrapnel, nuts, bolts, machine parts, and he's got his Winchester rifle. He their accounts differ. One says that he called over the superintendent, good old Emery Hoik. Um, and one says that, like, another account was just like, no, he just drove up and it blew up. (laughs) So time out. So superintendent was actually in the school when the bomb went off. He got every single member of his class out. Mm -hmm. He had them sliding on a roof, going down a ladder. He did not leave that room until every student was gone. And then 10 minutes later, this. This happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is just... You hate to see it, but at least, you know, uh, okay, so, so anyhow. So the, I, I read several accounts of this and, and piecing it together, the account I like the best. Absolutely. Let's go with it. Um, Andrew calls superintendent, what the, make Hoik. the noise. Yuck. Hook. Yuck. <laughs> Yuck. Um, the man was like a fucking hero. Let's just say really his was. name normally. <laughs> he was a fucking hero. Just once. <laughs> let's so do an, it. Andrew calls the superintendent over to his window um, there is an account that the two of them fought over the rifle. Yes, that was the you went with the same account I went with. <laughs> That's the one I liked the best because he was already a hero. He's going to keep being a hero. So he fights 
to get the rifle away. The rifle goes off towards the dynamite. Mm -hmm. And that's what blows the truck. Yes, and it does explode. It kills Kehoe, uh, the uh, superintendent, Emery Hoyk, uh, the postmaster. Oh, that was really sad. Yeah. What do you have on him? Um, Okay, so um, Glenn Smith was bleeding and rolling on the ground, mortally wounded. He was still awake, and he tried to get on his feet, and he kept saying, leave me, boys, and run. These trees Mm. are full of it. He thought it was coming from the trees. Mm. Oh, my God. Um, He actually held on. They they did get some tourniquets because both of his legs were blown off. He held on until his wife came. Mm. And he he did get to to say goodbye to his wife. Um, His last words were to her, oh, dear, don't worry about me. Hmm. Yeah. The one that gets me, the one that gets me was the eight-year-old second grader, Cleo Clayton. She had survived the first blast. I'm going with male on that, actually. Cleo sounds... What what do we think? Male or female? You know what? We'll go go female for that because... Cleopatra. Yeah. We'll go female for that because I have another one that survived the blast that died because of the truck. Yeah. Um, so go ahead about Cleo. Oh, it's just, yeah, she survived the first blast. And it's just to go through that and think I'm, I'm done. I'm safe. You yeah. Know? And then, and then have this, all of a sudden this chaos yeah. happen. Yeah. You guys are probably right. It's probably a girl's name. I don't know why I thought boy. That's so I, I have a worse one for you. Oh, it says it was also used for boys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't That's always okay. have to be right. You know, <laughs> once in a right. while I can just be wrong or let it be. So <laughs> Mrs. Eugene Hart had two daughters that died in the schoolhouse blast. Her son, Percy, survived and then got hit by shrapnel from the truck. So she was actually holding her two dead daughters mm-hmm. while her son died in her lap. Jesus Christ. And Kehoe's body was totally blown apart Thank by God the blast. <laughs> uh, this is this was the when I was put off my salad, so if you're eating, be fair warned. Uh, his intestines were just kind of hanging out on the steering column of the truck. Just blood, just... Good for him. Fuck that Dripping off. That's my drip sound. It's a horrible drip sound. It's very bad. Oh, yeah, Scott's much better. Show off. (laughs) Um, and, uh, there was just some random stuff here. Somebody picked up a stick, but it was actually a a spine. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, there was... That's... We always have to have a spine. <laughs> we do, yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. your Christmas tree has spines. Exactly. <laughs> thank you, friend of the show, Jamie. Uh, also, thank you, random deer <laughs> that inspired it. A block away from the scene, we have a young mother. She has a, her baby in her arms. The bomb goes off. She, I mean, she'd been totally safe and just, like, chilling up until this point. She's not that close a block away. Um, a two-inch square burr just goes right into her eye and another piece of shrapnel gets into her skull and she is survived but she she survived she survived but is brain damaged mm. uh do we have any other horrible stories before we get to like uh kind of like i have aftermath and i have kind of the the holy crap this happened stuff the the only other person we didn't really mention was i have a mustache here in my mouth. Oh, the I, I actually have one. 
a mustache hair in your no, mouth, you need no. to shave. Mm-mm. Not that. I have a, a close to home moment here. Oh, do tell. Two of the victims, Robert Bromond in the fifth grade and Amelia Bromond, who was 11. She was also in the fifth grade. Robert was 12. And his sister Amelia was 11. They were both born in Johnstown, PA. Wow. Whoa. So um, they both passed away. Actually, that day, uh, Robert did not want to go to school. He wanted to quit and work on the farm. Amelia loved school and learned very rapidly and loved her teacher, Mrs. Blanche Hart. Um, So, yeah, they're actually from Johnstown, PA. Wow. 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 There's also the Fritzes. Uh, Marjorie Fritz, she was age nine when she died in the bombing. Her brother, her younger brother, Richard, was eight when he died a year after of myo... Yes, I actually was right. Myocarditis, which is inflammation of the heart muscle. It's basically just kind of assumed. He's not on any of the official lists, but it's basically kind of assumed that it was probably, you know, the trauma and or, you know, or possibly an injury probably that wasn't known. <laughs> Something happened. This was probably because of the bombing. Yeah. I actually have your Cleo. Cleo Clayton is on here. An eight-year-old in second grade lived with his grandparents. His oh, look, mother, look at how happy I do Chris always is. have to be right. <laughs> His mother died when he was one year old. Oh. Um, he was not hurt in the blast, but was killed when the car blew up. A large bolt ripped his stomach open and his back and spine were hurt. He was awake until the very end and lived about seven hours. Oh, Jesus. Christ. Oh. I told you, I have a detailed list of the dead. <laughs> Do you have anything in there for retired farmer Nelson McFarren, who was also yes. killed in the blast? Yes, I do, because I've read that name several times today. <laughs> Give me a minute, I'll find it. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. We also have 10-year-old Beatrice Gibbs. Um, she actually hung on for three months after the massacre, which she had just turned 10 the day before. Both of her legs and one arm were broken. And uh, the doctors actually had to conceive and construct this frame to hold her up above the hospital bed because she had so many lacerations that she couldn't even lay comfortably. On August 22nd, uh, they were performing a surgery to get a splinter from her hip, and she died afterwards. Okay, so um, Nelson McFerrin is actually the father-in-law to... The postmaster Glenn O. Smith. Okay, um, he was born in Michigan, May twenty fifth, eighteen fifty two. Came to Bath with his father at the age of fifteen, and assisted in clearing up a homestead. On attaining his majority, he left home and started out life for himself, purchasing forty acres. Um, purchased a second forty acres, which he logged off and soon had under cultivation one of the best farms in Bath. In eighteen eighty three, how much do you want to know about this guy? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Well, in this case, we had uh, 44 deaths. Uh, well, I guess technically 45 once Beatrice Gibbs passes. But on the day of, 44 deaths. 38 of those were students. Most of them were from second to sixth grade. So they were around between seven and 12 years old. 
we had total from each grade. Okay, so you have the sixth graders, 13 of them. Grades four and five had seven fatalities each, and third grade had 10 fatalities. Two teachers were killed as well. One of them was found in the wreckage holding two dead children. It is brutal. The second grade classroom wall collapsed. The students were in that room were on the other side of the room for story time. Thank God for that. Story time likely saved them. Reading saves. Well, and it wasn't the first book. It was the second book. They begged the teacher for one more book. And Reading she said, more saves. And she even said, it's the last day of school, so I'll allow it today. They read one more story, and that's the reason they all lived. Oh, my man. God. Fate, man. Or not, you know, just just random coincidence. Because if it's fate for some people's children to survive, how is it fate for others to die? You know, like that's something that you have to like really reason with when people say, "Oh, you know, everything happens for a reason." It's like I don't think there was a reason that these children had to die. I don't think that. I think that's bullshit. What pisses me off is, what was what was this supposed to prove? He could have waited one more day, blown the school up out of spite, and nobody died. And still right. made a point if that's what he was going right. for. Yes. Right. Yeah, no. I mean, but I he, don't. He burnt down his house and all the buildings, so when the house was foreclosed, they would get nothing. And here's the thing he could have fucking saved it by selling the farm equipment. There was that more. He didn't use. Yeah, yeah, there was more than enough there. That if he would have sold it, he could have paid off the entire mortgage. Instead, he just destroyed it all. Absolutely. Well, and yeah. his wife came for money. He could have asked them for money. Oh, I don't think that that was something that he would... I think he would consider that lowering himself, which I don't think it is. I think when you when you need it, especially, you know, his wife is sick and everything. Yes. Um, when you need I it... I need you... help with her expenses. Could you please help me with her medical yeah. bills? Yeah, I, I just don't see him with how... He had this weird psychological relationship with money and, you know, I, I don't know if you want to call it pride or you just want to call it something even like if you want to go Psychosis. beyond that to something pathological. But, <laughs> but yeah, he was, he, was, he was so obsessive that I think that he hated being in debt or owing anybody. During the search for survivors, they found 500 pounds of unexploded dynamite. It turned out the first explosion had actually short-circuited the, the second, second bombs. Mm -hmm. And that that probably would have killed literally like everyone in the building. Yeah. Children, teachers, because it was one side and the other side. This school had wings, for God's sakes. It actually kind of like reminded me. Like a maxi-pad. <laughs> it kind of reminded me. Yes, like a maxi-pad. My, uh, my middle school just in, in its general look, but schools are schools, I guess. But it, 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 I, I wouldn't be surprised if my middle school was built around that same time, just because they had a very similar like architectural construction. Oh, that is definitely much nicer looking than my high school. Wow, yeah, that's a nice looking high school. It's Christy school, went to fucking Hogwarts. <laughs> it's a middle school. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it, it is a little Hogwarty. Um, so they actually, and as far as, and it could have been worse territory, uh, we have the opposite uh, of that. Sixth graders had been supposed to take final exams. And the teachers were like, well, there's that fifth grade classroom. We think it's better for exams. So they took the fifth graders there. And that's probably why there was a higher fatality rate among the sixth graders. But on the other side, you had uh, two children who they thought were dead. They took them to the morgue. And then it turned out that they weren't. 
And it didn't go into specifics about the reaction upon seeing these children that they thought were dead come back to life, but I... I'm guessing it's something along the lines of... Ah! Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not funny, but it is funny. It's fucking hilarious. And it's, I'm sorry. And they lived. Yeah. They lived, so it's okay. <laughs> so we can, we can have a moment. Whenever I was 19, I was a phlebotomist. Mm -hmm. I drew blood. And one time in the morgue... I had to draw blood off of a body that was already dead. Mm -hmm. And do you know the old cartoons where the legs kick up in the back? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That happens in real life. Mm -hmm. Nobody told me in my classes. <laughs> oh. Sometimes. That should the, be day one. That should be day one. Sometimes the dead move. <laughs> They're still dead. It's not It's not like Rick Grimes time. Yeah, isn't that just like electrical pulses or it's something? It's rigor mortis setting in. Oh, okay. All right. So, if the person is top heavy, as most of us are, the legs will kick up like they do in cartoons. However, if the person is bottom heavy... Yes, I did hit the desk there. You did hear that. If the person is bottom heavy, then they sit up. The person behind me, as I was drawing the blood off of this of this corpse, was bottom heavy. So I hear, and I hear the sheet fall to the ground. What I heard was the air from like the diaphragm pushing up and through. And I turn around, and there's this dead body sitting up. I don't remember anything after that, and I quit my job, and, <laughs> and I was a busboy at Denny's about so, two so weeks later. So it's not enough. I actually, I read an article one time that you can train your body to do this. After death? After death. How do you fucking practice? I, I, don't, I don't know, but I need to know, because I feel like I am body heavy, like bottom heavy, mm -hmm. and that I can make myself sit up and freak the fuck out of somebody. I'm hoping at the funeral. Amber has a new project. Yes. But yeah, there is a there is a way that you can somehow train your body. I don't know if it works because the person that wrote it obviously hasn't died. Yeah. So I don't know how accurate it is. But right, so back to other death stuff. <laughs> um, people worked all day and night looking for survivors, and in, oh, in addition to that extra dynamite, they also found a can of gas that was kind of rigged. It looked like it was meant to supplement the explosion. Obviously, there's an explosion. There's gas. They had it. He had it set up so that it would be like fumes coming out through tubing. So yeah, not. I mean, he was. He went all out here. I like to think some guy went, "Hey, free gas," and just picked up the can and poured it into his truck. <laughs> So then we get to his farm and the aftermath over there. There is a sign that he has not just written, but fucking stenciled. And this was very nice stenciling. It was. I, hate I was like, did, did to compliment him on anything. Yeah. It seriously, it was so like straight and perfect. I was just like, dude, spent a lot of time on this. And I'm keeping you in suspense. Uh, the sign read, criminals are made, not born. And then I raised my two middle fingers in the air and I said, I don't think building a school should make you into a mass murderer. But what do I know? Yeah, because really in the grand scheme of things, he blew up a, a school and killed 45 people, mostly children, over $7. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, and if this is his, if this is his motivation, if if we, if we have his last, essentially his last words, criminals are made, not born. We have to look at the things that happened to him, made. So he's basically saying society or life or one of these factors makes criminals. So really, I can understand 
the, the taxes and then like the township thing, which dude, fix your personality. Stop fighting with everybody over nickels and dimes and pennies, literal pennies. You know, it's maybe look inside, have some self-awareness, anything like that, instead of literally blaming everything and everyone else around you, which that sign, it's so Peter Curtin. It's so very Peter Curtin. It basically could have come right out of his mouth and probably did. Yeah, like my farm didn't make any money because I didn't farm anything. Yeah, yeah. People don't want me mm-hmm. in a position of authority because I'm kind of an asshole and kill dogs and horses. Well, and he killed the horse. Actually, I read a story. I don't know how true it is, but one of the things that said is he killed the horse because he had a mix-up. Put something he was going to try to drag on the tractor on the horse. The horse couldn't drag it, so he killed the horse. Ugh. Jesus. He actually referred to it as a mix-up, and now the horse is dead. <laughs> so, um... There's a cart on this farm, just, you know, one of the pieces of debris, sort of. People just keep on passing by it, and it's quite a while before they realize that Nellie is lying on top of it. She is completely charred. She just basically blends in with all the other burned-up stuff. Um, Her skull was crushed, and this was something that I thought was really weird. There was a cash box... And inside of it were banknote ashes. So somebody either burnt them intentionally or they had burned in the explosion. And then silver, like silverware, mm-hmm. strewn about. And silverware, you, when you think of silverware today, you think of, you know, the, the, the random fork that you bought, you know, in a set at Target. Silver back in the day, they literally polished it. You know, it was a family heirloom that you had to keep nice. This was, this was and, and having good silver you know, you had your good silver. That was a sign of wealth. So, one of many, but it's like the good china, which is also falling out of favor, but the silver fell out of favor a long time ago. Nobody's polishing shit. It's hard, you know, hand washing is a big deal, you know? Dude, get the good paper plates. Yes, exactly. Get those nice plastic ones that don't, like, bend and, like, your food goes everywhere. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about, because that's the kind of plate that I get, too. So... Yeah, that the fact that things of value were around and it seemed like she had maybe been placed there, that to me, I, I almost feel like the message was, you're costing me too much. I, I don't, I, okay, I don't want to put words in somebody's mouth. I will, but I don't like it, <laughs> is how I'm going to say that. Because I don't want to say, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but here they are. I honestly think that, you know, maybe I could be making too much of something, but putting money and expensive things around her, and she was, you know, the hospital bills were ra- racking up from her TB or whatever was wrong with her. They weren't 100% sure. I honestly think that it was, it was, you're costing me too much money. And that was the message. Here, take all this nice shit with you, bitch. Or that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's, we're trying, and I mean, that's kind of what we do here. We're trying to put common sense on somebody who doesn't have, uh, you know, we're trying to put common sense on somebody who is insane. We're trying to make sense of the senseless. Yeah. We're tr- yeah. And we, yeah, that is what we do. That's what we do in every, every time something horrific happens is we try to say why. What, what happened to make this happen? What was the reason behind it? And here we can say he liked money way too much and it made him crazy, maybe? And head injury, possibly? Combination? Yeah. It's it's hard. It's really hard. Um, he had really... I mean, he'd, he'd done a number on the farm. He made sure nothing was left. Only the chimney remained of the house. And we'll post pictures. Um, and that was only because the dynamite didn't blow. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just basically like flat... And then chimney standing up from it. Um, he blew up the outbuildings. His two... Oh, the horses. Jesus Christ. 
Um, he bound up the horse's legs with wire and locked them in the barn and burned them to death. Mm. So they couldn't escape. And that is... Uh, he even he even went so far as to not even but not even blow up but things that could be considered assets that might produce like shade trees doesn't even produce anything just nice to sit under nope ruined those didn't you know didn't do it in any sort of blowing up fashion he was like I'm just gonna cut these so that they are dead but he would cut them and then put them back together so it didn't look like he cut them yeah he did the same thing with the grapevines yeah he, he, he cut like the if you've ever seen a grape arbor it's like big and bushy and huge and he basically went inside cut everything and then let the outer part you know, like hang there and, and hide all the destruction within. Honestly, what I'm seeing here. He was a real dick here, about it in a weird way. What I'm seeing here is a fucking tantrum. Yeah. It yeah. Is you know what? A, it it is. is. It is a fucking mass murdering tantrum. It is a, a man who doesn't have a whole lot of emotional intelligence and has kind of lost um, any sort of equilibrium or ability to regulate his emotions and he's pissed off at life and not understanding that some of it is his goddamn fault mm-hmm. all and of it. He, all of it is his well his wife having tb isn't his fault that's not his it's fault, not her but fault there either are better ways to handle oh most certainly uh be like he's he's a grown-ass man he is a grown-ass man with apparently the the emotional maturity of a four-year-old yeah that's just going to like break things and scream until they get their way. I yep. have a four year old. I know how this <laughs> you works. You know how this works, yeah. And it's it's I blame a lot of it on the head injury, but I mean not not a hundred percent of it. Um well, there's nothing written about him really before that. Right. So you have to think a lot of it is probably the head injury. The head injury out. does sound I mean and we yeah. know that they can have a big effect, like we said. Yeah. So. Uh, well he was in a coma for what, two weeks? Two weeks, yeah. I think Ted Bundy had a head injury. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer had a head injury. You could name almost all yeah. of them. Curly Howard, one of the greatest monsters of the 20th century. This is another one of those cases where we get the rubberneckers, the gawkers, the looky-loos. Uh, I saw a couple different numbers and I kind of consolidated them and took the smaller one and tossed that out because it's not sensational. Um, on Saturday, 100,000 cars came through town. On Sunday, 85,000 cars there, this was a tiny town, so this is traffic jams galore. And then on May 20th, this date might sound familiar if you have listened to our last episode, Lindbergh started across the Atlantic in the spirit of St. Louis, um, and this basically wiped the disaster off of the front pages. They actually shared a front they page. They did, yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, the day he... Left and then there was the 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 disaster, but him arriving was the catalyst to just like take the the bath school massacre well, and just the day he arrived at the day he made his his transatlantic flight was the the last day of funerals mm. for the first set of victims. I wonder if there was some subliminal. Something subliminal happened with you to make you choose this one. It could have happened because they shared a front page. Mm-hmm. So you and, might have seen it and, and not even thought about it. And one that was in my search history oh, there you was go. the front page of them burying the last school child and Lindbergh making his flight. The brain's a funny thing. It, it is, is a funny yes. thing. So it was stuck in my head and I had a list of like 10 different things. I was like, that one. And I, I couldn't pinpoint why until I saw that that was the date of Lindbergh's flight. The brain is so weird. <laughs> so the governor of Michigan, Fred Green, he came down to help look for bodies and said that if any child's family could not afford a funeral, he would pay for it. The 
you know, we go, we go from one side of humanity to the other. That was the good part. Get ready for the bad part. The KKK appears, and that's never a good thing. They passed out five million leaflets blaming Catholicism. Ironically, Kehoe and his wife had started to attend the local Catholic church, or maybe one of the local Catholic churches. And then their church was like, okay, so, you know, pay up for whatever, you know, tithing or, you know, they needed a new building or they whatever. They needed a new building. I saw that in one place and <laughs> another place. I just saw it and it was an assessment or something like that. And um, then was like, fuck you, you're not getting my money. We're not Catholic anymore. Exactly, yeah. So they basically blamed something. With, like, it's it's just ridiculous. Um, Kehoe was buried in an unmarked grave. Nellie's family buried her, I love this, under her maiden name. That's to me, like just a too. nice little posthumous mm-hmm. swipe at that dickwad. Um, the neighbors testified in the coroner's inquest about him saying he about him saying he'd killed a horse. Apparently, the story was from him saying he had a bad temper and he had a mania for killing things. Um, basically, the point of this inquest it, it, it sounds ridiculous because you're like, why did they have an inquest? It's pretty fucking obvious who's at fault. Well, they were also were trying to dis- decide if the school board or any employees had any criminal negligence. They and- almost got the janitor. The janitor, I know. I was like, the, it was how like did school you not board. notice that he's wearing a bomb? And then they're like, oh no, he didn't know anything about it. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it was like school board and janitor. I was like, that's very two different. Besides, uh, what? Well, I think they figured the janitor was there after hours, might have seen Kehoe putting this stuff in. It took him months to do this. Yeah. Like, he went there a lot. Let's take the poor guy who just, like, changes the paper towels in the bathroom. He knew what was going on. Like, like, we all went to high school. We knew that the school janitors didn't really deep clean, and they certainly weren't looking in the fucking ducts to make sure that there's, like, extra... Stuff. Honestly, here's the thing. If I would go into a place and there would be a bomb, I don't know if I'd notice that it was actually a bomb. I think you'd notice a thousand pounds of dynamite. You'd think, but really? <laughs> I'm sorry. There's there's like a lot of times that I've walked by stuff that should be seen, should be pretty obvious, and just my mind went, you don't need to know about that. Just keep fucking walking. A thousand pounds of dynamite? You're going to be like, that's fine. Every belongs here. I never noticed the second the in those trick sentences on Facebook. I could miss a thousand pounds of dynamite. Okay, so back on target. (laughs) So um, classes are temporarily for the next year held in local stores and town buildings. Um, And they were basically, they, they weren't building a new school. They were reconstructing the damaged portion. James J. Cousins. This is where we start seeing him pop up. He is the former vice president and general manager of the Ford Motor Company. He had been an early investor. He was the the mayor of Detroit from 1919 to 1922. He was a U.S. senator from 1922 to 1936. I was going to say, I knew of him as a senator because at the time of this, he was a senator. Exactly. Yeah, this was 1927, so it's uh, it's, almost kind of in the middle of his his senatorial career. He donated $75,000 towards reconstructing the school. That's $1,113,000 today. Um, they, during reconstruction, found more dynamite twice. Uh, and they named the school the James Cousins Agricultural School, and it opened on August 18th, 1928. Good for Cousins. Yeah, good guy. Good guy. 
They plowed the Kehoe farm, basically. They had to check for more explosives there. They had to make sure he wasn't, like, you know, pretending that, the, you know, making landmines and shit, you know? They had to make I, it I, safe. And I'm, actually, I'm kind of surprised that he didn't bury dynamite. I am surprised as well, yeah. Honestly, I would have just blown it all up. Like, it was I, good land. It was good land. You can sell that shit. Yeah, but you can still, if, if it's farming land, you just call it like, oh, it's it's plowed and ready to go. I'm pretty sure it doesn't work that way. If you could plow with dynamite, I'm pretty sure a lot more farmers would be having a lot more fun and a lot more neighbors would be complaining about plowing day. I'm Give me some dynamite try. and my dad's got a big yard. We'll make this happen. Exactly. So the after they find that there's no explosives left, they sell the property at auction. Um, and then the James Cousins Agricultural School was actually uh, brought down in 1975. They they raised it and they made a memorial park with the old school's cupola. They made that basically the centerpiece and it's called the James J. Cousins Memorial Park. So remember when we said that they were going to have commencements for the graduating seniors? The day after the explosion it was scheduled for, they didn't have it because there had just been a horrible massacre. And unlike on the New York Stock Exchange, check out our Patreon for that, we don't just go ahead with normal life the day after. We we take some time to fucking mourn. And look at the evidence instead of sweeping it into trash bags like it didn't happen. Also that... <laughs> Uh, so they basically didn't have their commencement. They didn't really even get diplomas as far as I can tell until 50 years later, the class of 77 was like, Hey, you, you, you guys, you owe us one. Well, no, the class of 77 was like, we owe you. <laughs> and they invited the, the class of 27, nine of the 15 from that class came and they got their diplomas alongside, uh, many 50 years younger than them high school seniors, which I think is very sweet. I can finally get that job at McDonald's. <laughs> In 2008, finally, grave markers were donated for the last two victims that didn't have marked graves. Those were Emily and Robert Bromont. I think you mentioned them earlier. They're from Johnstown. Those are the Johnstowners. Okay, yes. And then in 2014... Uh, gravestone for Richard Fritz. He was the victim I talked about earlier. He was the one who, he died a year later of myocarditis. Uh, that was donated by an author writing a book about the bombing. So that was the deadliest mass murder at a school in U.S. history. It's, it's amazing to think about the, the horrifying things that have happened in recent memory, and even those don't top this this horrifying thing. Not that it's a contest, but... Uh, yeah, don't say it like that. It might turn into one. <laughs> if it is a contest, um, here's your number one in the world. The Beslan School Siege in Russia in on September 1st, 2004. Fucking Russians again. High score uh, stakeholders. <laughs> terrorists. No, it was in Russia, but it was by terrorists, ah. uh, by Muslim terrorists. They killed 385 and injured 783. How many? How big was this school? Pretty big. Remember, we're all from small towns. <laughs> you know, there are people who have like, oh, my graduating class was a thousand, you know, and that's just their class. So then they have, you know, four classes in the high school. That's 4,000 students. Okay, you know what? That's fair. I actually, I went to a school that had 3,000 kids and it was only three grades. Okay, so yeah. You're, that was one of the high schools I went to. Yours was bigger than mine. <laughs> you love you hearing. Know it. Yeah, you know it. Yeah, wait. Wait till you hear this. Number in your graduating class? 
Uh, well, I went to three high schools because, um, I mean, I got asked to leave once or twice. Um, so my actual graduating class, I think it was only 89. Okay. You? I feel like it was in the hundreds, but low hundreds, like 117 or 127. I may just be saying that because I like the number seven, apparently. 24. 24. Yeah. See, I, like, I, I figured the Scots would be the, the lowest. Well, yeah. I mean, most of your kind of already died out by now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. That is true. So, <laughs> that has been the Bath School Massacre Not Disaster. I have weird pet peeves. If you... As long as you don't kill a horse over them. We, we, we need to make a little song. Massacre, not disaster. You gotta use that vocab to get learning faster. <laughs> I'm not drunk enough for this. Fair enough. So... Uh, if you enjoy, if you felt educated and entertained, and also enjoyed Scott's vocal stylings, <laughs> rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps, and we very much appreciate it. Uh, you can also go to our Patreon at patreon.com/oldtimeycrimey. We Do have it. some bonuses there. Give us your money. Uh, your money will become our money, and we will use it to buy drugs. <laughs> By drugs, he means heroin. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Something like wall soundproofing, soundproofing or, books, yeah. books. We'll buy books. Um, the hosting for next year is about to come yeah, due. Yeah. Marijuana. <laughs> so, marijuana. We need that to Perhaps. help us cope. <laughs> I kid so much. I mean, maybe I'll wear lower cut shirts if you start Patreoning. There we go. There, there we, we go. go. The $12, $12 a month on Patreon. You get a little, little bit more clear. <laughs> you can come over to the Twitch and you can see three pairs. Oh, you're not on the camera. Turn it. Turn it. Oh, oh, a beautiful, beautiful breast. I like that. <laughs> you like them heritages. Also, uh, we if you just like those hairy titties enough to maybe toss a buck on the nightstand, you can go to our PayPal, or you can send us money via PayPal at uh, with our email, oldtimeycrime at gmail.com. You guys just made this real difficult. The words are not coming out of my mouth. <laughs> also, we would love it if you would join us on our social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as oldtimeycrime. We put up pictures and media and stuff related, and sometimes people pop up with interesting... Uh, crimes that they find or, you know, like, suggestions. Jay Mexico, I'm telling you what, if you get a Patreon, Scott will wear a low-cut shirt. <laughs> you, you, do, you do that, I'll, wear, I'll go without a shirt. <laughs> it's happened before. Patreon. So, uh, yeah, so basically, also the, the Facebook, I'm working on this, but uh, the, it's the group, not the page. Uh, so, yeah, I need to fix that. Basically, I'm, I'm just going to put a a link to the group from the page, but I need to actually do it on the computer. So, anyhow, that's uh, that's really boring and nobody cares. Um, but and ballet dancing. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so, what's going on this weekend? Apparently, I'm going to just go home and slather myself in CBD oil. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And finally, get some sleep. <laughs> Apparently, it's amazing. I haven't tried it, but it came highly recommended. They were passing it around the office this morning. Um, I am going to get fucking hammered and do my taxes that is my my very sexy date time this weekend that is super fun itemizing Woo! <laughs> jackson got a new car it's really pretty we'll probably go for a drive 
Oh my god, it's fucking gorgeous. Like I already asked to try to borrow it to to pick up bitches, and um, <laughs> they they declined. <laughs> I mean, and nobody okay. nobody quite said no. We just explained to you that there's a there's a limit. <laughs> there's to a how limit many bitches to you can how fit. many bitches I can get at one time. All depends on how how uh, finely you cut them up. <laughs> or how flexible can, they are if they're still alive. Really, that's true. That I mean, true. I feel like it's like a a, a challenge. <laughs> yeah. And I think I can overcome what they believe I could fit in the car. See, the the <laughs> real thing is drowning out the screams from the trunk. So anyhow, before this becomes <laughs> Exhibit 135B in State versus Amber, um, yeah, uh, I we did say when we were first test driving the car, I got inside and he, he I was like, Oh, this is why we don't have kids. Oh, I know. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's yeah, fine. you can't. It's it, it, I get it. I have a minivan. It's a two seater. It's a two seater. Yeah. Believe um, me, I get it. But I fucking love my minivan. Oh, you. I you, never you. thought I would. Like, I didn't say I love my kids. I love my <laughs> minivan. I've got heated seats, heated steering wheel, remote starter, automatic doors and trunk. I can push a button when I'm walking with my groceries, and all the shit opens nice. up. It is the sweetest car I've ever had, and it's a fucking minivan. When my little brother was young, my mom had a minivan, and I frequently did the transporting of my brother to and from daycare. I appreciated the hell out of that minivan because mm. built in, it wasn't even, this was like, you know, early 2000s, so this wasn't even all the technological advances we have now. Built in car seats. Built-in car seats, so handy, and then they would flip right back up. This was a... I don't know if they're actually safe now because standards probably change. Not, but, probably not. But it was super handy at the time, and I wasn't thinking about safety. I was just assuming that they were. Well, when we were kids, we didn't even have car... I didn't have a car seat. I don't remember. My brothers and sisters but... used to shove me in the back window because I was the baby, and I fit the best back there. Station wagon? No. Oh, no. in the back window, like of the, on that little like, on shelf thingy that's there? Toyota Tracel. Oh, uh, yeah. My dad would make me ride in the bed of the pickup truck. I've done that. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. But it wasn't with my parents, I don't think. It was a Maybe. different time. That, that's illegal nowadays. No, no. It was like if we would go on a trip to like Gettysburg or what have you, they would throw a blanket, like a sleeping bag, in the back of the pickup truck. And if we were lucky, we got the camper and we'd drive from fucking Salisbury, Pennsylvania, three and a half hours to Gettysburg oh, in the back of a pickup truck. Not realizing we are like our life expectancy has dropped dramatically. It's kind of a miracle that Scott's here right now. <laughs> How do you think eleven hours in the window of your cell? Like you're on a fucking highway yeah. in Minnesota. There's a you're like, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So next week, Amber's gonna take some of Scott's meds. <laughs> And Scott's going to drink, and we're going to see how that goes. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> we're going to switch it up. be so fun. Let's that switch it. Be, switch it. All right, so. great. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> um, my back is killing me. <laughs> and <laughs> so we really appreciate it, and we will see you next week. It's a Christy Peak Pick week, so you don't know what to expect. Uh, so bye. 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 My sources for this week are Lorraine Boissonault on Smithsonian Magazine, Wikipedia, of course, Allstate, uh, and <laughs> Julie Mack on MLive. My sources, Wikipedia.org, Murderpedia.com, SmithsonianMag.com, Freep.com, and AtlasObscura.com. Uh, my sources are uh, from the book A Pale Horse Was Death by Troy Taylor and Renee Cruz, from the book... The Bath Schoolhouse Disaster by Monty J. Ellsworth. 
uh, from an article from the United Press and also uh, from the University of Michigan Press, a Q&A with Arnie Bernstein, the author of Bath Massacre, America's First School Bombing.